You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode 148, Talk About Self-Publishing with Risa Weaver-Enyon. Risa is a wedding planner based in Sacramento, California. Since launching Risa James Events in 2015, she has guided nearly 100 couples through the wedding planning process. Her attention to detail, grace under pressure, and ability to execute complicated weddings has led to her winning Wedding Wire's Couples' Choice Award for six consecutive years. Her advice has been featured in multiple publications, including Up Journey, She Finds, Honey Fun, and Long Island Bride and Groom. In 2021, she published a book titled How to Plan a Wedding, A Roadmap to Guide You from Engagement to I Do, aimed at couples who aren't able to hire a full-service wedding planner. Risa holds a bachelor's degree in history from Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland and a Juris Doctor from Duke University School of Law in Durham, North Carolina. She has no hesitation in proclaiming that being a wedding planner is much more fun than being an attorney. And today, Risa is here with us to talk about self-publishing. She wrote and published her own book, y'all, and she is going to walk us through it step by step, including some of the not-so-sexy parts that you need to know to self-publish. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, this chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hey friends, quick reminder before we start this week's episode. If you're interested in joining me for Spotlight Sprint, the registration closes tomorrow, Friday, August 19th at midnight Pacific. If you want more information on Spotlight Sprint, listen to last week's episode. I don't want you to miss out if it's something you're interested in. It's a six-week mastermind with maximum impact with minimum time spent because I know these days you're all crazy busy. For more information, check out reneedallow.com forward slash Spotlight Sprint. And hopefully we'll see you on Monday at our very first mastermind call. Now, let's get to our episode. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow. Where else would I be? I named this thing after myself. <laughs> this week, I am here with the lovely and talented Risa James Weaver-Enyon, and we're going to talk about the nuts and bolts of writing a book. Risa, how the hell are you? I am fabulous, Renee. How are you? Woo-hoo! I'm jet-lagged, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Um, and I'm de- I'm dehydrated like a like a dehydrated sponge, but I'm here and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here talking with you. I'm so excited that you're excited that you're here. Listen, you've written a book. Yes, I have. And I, I have not yet written a book, and this is why I'm still fascinated by this topic. <laughs> I learned a ridiculous number of strange little things while I was writing and self-publishing my book, which is why I wanted to share them with other people who also might be writing or trying to self-publish a book. I Listen, I'm here for all these conversations because I think writing a book is on so many people's bucket lists, myself included, but I think sometimes it feels like this lofty, I don't know, this like pie in the sky, maybe I'll do it one day when I'm older sort of goal. Do you feel that way? I mean, you've done it, but before that, did you feel that way? Yes. It was also on my bucket list. I've always been a writer. I've always loved writing. Writing a book was something I always wanted to do. And when, even before COVID started, I had it on my radar and I knew I wanted to do it. But when COVID started and all of the weddings went away, I was like, okay, this is clearly the time that I need to focus on writing this book because this, I'm never going to get this time back. Like this is never going to happen again. So that gave me the push that I needed to really 
get going on it and make it a serious project instead of just uh, an aspirational thing. So you're literally one of those people who, in the face of the pandemic, were like, I'm going to write the great American novel, like as opposed to me who just was baking sourdough bread and gaining 30 pounds. I love it. I, I did do some sourdough bread. Well, not sourdough. I did some regular bread, but then we couldn't find yeast or flour anywhere anymore. So yes. <laughs> when I could no longer bake bread, I was like, all right, it's time to actually do some work. I did have a couple of weeks of just uh, enjoying the downtime because, you know, at first we thought it was only going to be like a month or two months or something. We didn't realize how long it was going to be. So I was trying to relax. But then when it became apparent that it was going to go on longer than we thought, I was like, okay, I have to do something productive with this time. Yeah, we were just sweet summer children back then. We yes. just had no idea. I remember in March thinking like, well, this will be a fun couple of weeks. What can I do? Yeah. Before like the depression set in of like, oh, my whole business is kind of gone. Interesting. Um, so tell us about the book. It's called How to Plan a Wedding, a Roadmap to Guide You from Engagement to I Do. Yes. So it's aimed at couples who aren't hiring a full service wedding planner for whatever reason. Maybe they can't afford to, maybe they don't want to. Some couples do actually want to plan their wedding. They enjoy that sort of thing and they want to do it themselves. They don't want full service help. But as you know, it's they still need some help. Um, you know, a coordinator at the very least. I never use the phrase day of coordinator. Um, Thank you. Yeah, there's actually a section in the book titled, Don't Call It a Day of Coordinator. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. There's also a section titled, Why Your Mom Can't Plan Your Wedding. So I I wanted this book to be a resource for couples because there's there's a lot of information out there about weddings, but a lot of it is disjointed. It's not coherent. It's not cohesive. Like you can get a lot of great advice in random Instagram captions, but you know, following that advice is hard because it's not presented in any sort of usable format. So yeah. when I launched my business in 2015, I immediately started blogging with advice. I have, I've, so I have over a hundred blog posts on my wedding planning website. And so when I first started getting serious about writing a book, that's where I started. I took all of my blog posts, copied them out of my web browser template and pasted them into Scrivener, which is a writing program that I used to help me organize my thoughts. So I just dumped all that content in and there already I had, I don't know, 35,000 words worth of content without even really trying because I'd been writing since 2015. I already had all that information. So then... So what is the platform? What is the tool you said you used? It's, Scrivener? it's called Scrivener. And you don't and how need, is it different from like a Google Doc? It, because it's... It's designed for writing and it's designed for writing different kinds of things. They have templates in there so you can write a screenplay, you can write a novel, you can write a nonfiction book, you can write a play. They have all these templates in there, but they also have features where you can organize note cards. So they're, they're like virtual note cards. Instead of having cards pinned to a bulletin board in your physical office, you have them on your screen and you can move them around and you can jump from one chapter to the next without having to scroll. So Google Docs, you know, there's a lot of scrolling involved because it's yes. all just one document, whereas Scrivener breaks it all up into pieces and makes it way easier for you to jump around from piece to piece, which is great, especially once you get to the editing phase and you're just like going from place to place and you need to make sure things are consistent. You can jump from one to the next very easily. I love this. And you are the third guest I've had on talking about book writing and no one has ever mentioned this tool before. So thank you for explaining more about it. We're going to put it in the show notes because I know sometimes people just need a template to start. It's kind of like with Canva, you know how you go to Canva and you're like, well, I have to make a something, a worksheet, and then they have the templates and suddenly your creativity blossoms. And I feel like that's the same sort of idea. Yes, absolutely. Totally agree with that. I really enjoy that program and it's very useful if you are trying to write something long like a book. <laughs> 
I love that. So you put all your notes into Scrivener, Scrivener, and then how much time did you devote to writing additional content? Or how much, I guess, how much time did it take you in general? So I, because I used to be an attorney and I used to have to, you know, bill my time for that reason, I still keep track of all of my time. Like I could tell you how much time I spent planning Instagram posts last month. I could tell you how much time I spent doing client work last month, all of it. So I actually know how much time I spent writing my book. Over the course of 2020 and 2021, it was 75 hours. So, and actually, I was surprised that it wasn't more than that because it felt like more than that. I actually think that too. I was like, well, actually, that's pretty efficient, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, part of that is because I did start with so much content. Um, So once I had all that content dumped into Scrivener, I started, I started with an outline. I know some people don't like the word outline, but I actually really find outlines useful. And so that's how I structured, it became my table of contents, but that's how I structured the outline of my book. And I wanted to go in order the things you need to do here's what you do as soon as you get engaged once you do that you can move on to this step once you do that you can move on to this step that's why the subtitle of the book is a roadmap to guide you because it it really does take you through the entire process step by step and at the end of each section there's a homework assignment and so i say in the introduction if you actually do all the homework assignments that are in this book as you read it your wedding will be planned by the time you get to the end of the book that's the goal so I organized my pre-existing content to flow where I wanted it to go to match up the outline and the table of contents. And that showed me where the gaps were, where the holes in content were. And so then I knew what I needed to write from scratch or what I needed to beef up from content that I already had. I also had to change the voice a little bit. Um, my blog is written in a very conversational, casual tone. Like I, I use LOL and, you know, I make a lot of jokes. <laughs> right. My book is still very conversational. Um, friends of mine who have read it have told me, they're like, yeah, I can hear your voice in this book. Like this is definitely you. But nice. I wanted to make it less like <laughs> I wanted to make it friendly, but still a little more formal than what my blog was. So I had to um, rewrite some of the items. And I also needed transitions from one section to the next because blog posts don't transition from one to the next. They're just all standalone posts. But when things are in a book, you know, it needs to have a coherent narrative structure. And so that's where I spent a lot of time was making sure it all flowed together and fit together nicely. It's interesting what you said about, about the voice, right? Because when you're writing for your blog, it's essentially a sales tool, right? And so you're trying to be somewhat, um, persuasive, right? In that, in that, blog post and also you do want it to be relatable because you want it to sound like you so that when they eventually maybe sit down with a consult for you they're like oh yeah Risa we feel like we know her but for a book it's like we want our authors to have a little more authority that is true yes um I think I also sort of took the authority standpoint with my blog posts too I always wrote as the expert like your friendly wedding planner expert who's here to help you and save you time and save you stress Love that. So, okay. So you had your articles, you sat down, you wrote the, the stuff that was missing and then who edited? Did you edit it yourself? Did you hire someone? Like, what is that process like? So I did edit it myself along with, I had my husband look at it again, because we're both attorneys. We have a lot of writing and editing experience. And when you're in law school, you can serve on a law journal, which there are different journals for different topics, but basically they're student run. And so lawyers out in the world working in academia or law firms or whatever, they write articles, they submit them to the student publications, and then the students edit them. And my husband and I both served on law school journals. So we have editing experience. 
So this was one of those areas where we felt comfortable doing that. Most people probably don't want to edit their own book. Most people want to hire an editor, and there is no shame in that. Um, I just did not happen to need to hire an editor, so I didn't. I did hire a publishing consultant because when you're self-publishing, you don't have, you know, a publishing house. You don't have any support. There's, mm. You're doing this all on your own. So you have to either do it yourself or find freelancers who do what the thing that you need help with. And uploading files to the different platforms where you can publish takes a certain amount of knowledge and skill level and some graphic design programs, which I don't have. I don't have that knowledge. I don't know how to use InDesign. I could have learned how to use InDesign, but that would have just taken way more time than I had, especially once vaccines came out in 2021 and like my some, my wedding season in 2021 got insane starting in the summer and I was just busy, busy, busy. And so getting the book published was a small miracle, but <laughs> I, I hired a publishing assistant. I turned over my edited manuscript to her and she then took it and designed it. She did the interior cover design. She did all the font design. She did the layout. She designed the cover. The artwork on the cover was actually drawn, hand-drawn by my brother, who happens to be an artist. Uh, so I, again, could have hired someone to do the cover artwork for me, but didn't need to. Um, but Lois Hoffman, she, her company is the Happy Self Publisher, and she was a huge help. Like, I don't think the book ever would have gotten published if I hadn't had Lois to do all the design stuff because I just never would have had time to learn how to do that myself. Yeah. And also like, like everything else in our businesses that we don't organically know or have a reason to know beyond the one project, like why would you teach yourself in design for this one thing? It doesn't make sense. Exactly. And like as wedding planners, we spend all of our time convincing couples to hire us because we have the expertise <laughs> that they need. So yes. it kind of doesn't make sense for us to then not do that when we need an expert in something. <laughs> yes. So by the time you hired Lois and you kind of sent everything over to her, between that moment and actual publication, how long did that process take? I sent her the completed manuscript right at the end of September 2021. I wanted to get the book published before Thanksgiving 2021 because I wanted it to be available for, you know, engagement season over the holidays. And I Missed my deadline by a little bit, but it was available by December 1st. So I, I still had it out before Christmas. So that just a smidge over two months from the time I gave her the manuscript until the time it was actually available to purchase. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was it was great. Like Working with her was super easy. I never could have done this without her. Um, I'm actually getting ready to publish another book this year, and Ooh. I'm using her again. <laughs> We're getting the inside scoop, y'all. Yeah. What's um, the new book? Do you, can we talk about that or is yeah, that a secret? Yeah, sure. The new book is actually, um, it's a compendium of cocktail photos and recipes. And I have a second business in addition to being a wedding planner. I am also a cocktail photographer. So I'm oh. a professional photographer. I work with small brands that make spirits or other cocktail ingredients. They send me their products. I make cocktails with them, take photos, and then they license the photos from me for like website, social media, that sort of thing. So it's amazing. I'm putting out my own cocktail book with my photography in it. I love it. I love a multi-passionate entrepreneur, y'all. You know I do. So what about some of the more like nitty gritty parts of self-publishing that like people don't know to ask about? Like you need an ISBN, like what is that and why do we need it and where did you get it? Let me start with where you publish a, a book when you're self-publishing. There are basically two options. There's KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing, which is Amazon. And then there's Ingram Spark, 
which is everything that's not Amazon. So if you want your book to be available on, say, barnesandnoble.com, you have to go through Ingram Spark. You have to publish it through them because KDP only publishes to Amazon. So that's step number one. When you publish your book, the ISBN is literally just a number. It, it's an inter- international standard book number, I think is what it stands for. But it's, it's the number that appears underneath the barcode on the back of a book. If you go to a store, pick up a book and look at the back, there's a barcode with a number. The ISBN is the actual number. The barcode is sold separately, <laughs> which is something I did not know until I started this process. Yeah, the fact that you just said you had to buy a barcode separately, I think, is an eye-opening moment for anyone who wants to self-publish. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I'm I, sorry, I, I have to do the what? No, no, no. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? So there's one place where you buy ISBNs. I'm not 100% sure why they have a monopoly on ISBNs, but whatever. It's called Boker, B-O-W-K-E-R, Boker.com. That's where you go for ISBNs. One ISBN will cost you $125, but a pack of 10 costs you $295. So obviously I bought a pack of 10 and that was yeah. why I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to write more books. <laughs> I mean, we should all just go buy a pack of 10 just in case you ever want to write something. Just do it. Yeah. So you get 10 ISBNs for $295. Each different version of your book needs its own ISBN. So if you have a hardcover, that's one ISBN. Paperback, different ISBN. Ebook, different ISBN. So if you release a book in all three of those formats, you've used three of your 10 ISBNs. That's how they get you. Yeah. (laughs) Only physical books, though, need a barcode. So like ebooks don't have a barcode. They just have the ISBN. But a paperback and a hardcover book will have a barcode. So that might be why they sell the barcodes separately. I'm not sure. But barcodes are $25 a piece. And as far as I know, that's it. Like there's no package discount like there is with the ISBNs. So, uh, and you get those from Boker as well. You just create an account on Boker and then you can buy as many ISBNs and barcodes as you need and they automatically email them to you and then you're good to go. Sounds like the, it's like one of the most fiddly little pieces of self-publishing that nobody ever talks about. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> so bizarre. And I will say for anybody who's like still in the very beginning stages of thinking about wanting to write a book, they really need to get, um, start listening to a podcast talk called Write, Publish, Market. It's by a woman named Jody Brandon, and she's a book coach. She used to work in the publishing industry, and so she has like a book coaching program if you actually need help writing your book, which I did not need, but a lot of people do. But her podcast is very useful. She also has a book by the same name, Write, Publish, Market, which I bought and read, and it really helped me understand publishing. It taught me some terminology, like the size of a book has a particular name for it. It's called the trim size. And that turns out to be very important because you can publish in different trim sizes, but there are only a handful that you can choose from. You can't publish a book in just any size that you want. And your royalty amount depends on your trim size. How? How? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. like the bigger the trim size, the more royalty you Nope. The bigger the trim size, the less royalty because it costs more for them to produce the book. Yeah. So royalties, the, uh, the royalty scheme is so complicated. And <laughs> is a scheme, apparently. Yeah, yes. it is a scheme. Um, there are a couple of other important differences between KDP and Ingram Spark besides just the fact that KDP is only Amazon and Ingram Spark is everyone else. And that is KDP pays better royalties and 
their reports are way easier to read. They have, maybe it's all their experience in e-commerce and websites and whatever, but I cannot make heads or tails of the information that Ingram Spark sends me. Like to the point that I'm not even 100% sure what my royalty is on sales through Ingram Spark because they make it so hard to understand their reports. Wow. Whereas with KDP, I know exactly what my royalty is because it's spelled out in black and white on the reports. So I want to give like hard numbers because because I, it drives me nuts when people speak in vague terms about dollar amounts. So I'm going to give you yes. actual numbers right now. I love it. You know, we love to talk about money on the show. Yes. My paperback book. So my book is available in two versions, ebook and paperback. And I did publish through both Ingram Spark and KDP. So the paperback retails for $18.99 and the ebook is $9.99, regardless of where you buy it. Like that's the list price. So from Amazon, for each ebook that I sell, at a $9.99 list price, I make $5.79. Amazon keeps the rest of that $9.99 price. Okay. For each print book that I sell for $18.99, I make $8.20. Amazon has some printing costs and then they keep what's on top of their printing costs. So they print on they print your book on demand? Yes. I was I literally just oh, gonna say okay. that. So when you self-publish, it's also known as print on demand. So like you can't walk into Barnes and Noble and buy my book because it's not on the shelf, but you could go to barnesandnoble.com and order it on the website. A book will be printed for you and then it will be shipped to you. So if you have like an independent bookseller that you, you know, want to buy your books from, they have to special order it. That it's it's still available, it's just you can't walk into a store and buy it. That's another big difference between publishing traditionally and self-publishing where traditional publishers, they have relationships with bookstores. And so they're going to, they're going to get your book out into bookstores, but getting a traditional publishing deal is very difficult. And for most author entrepreneurs, which is what, you know, we are, it's just probably not going to happen unless you already have a big name and you already have, you know, made a name for yourself in the world, then traditional publishers just aren't going to be interested in you. Well, and also what I've heard from my friends who've done both that actually self-publishing turns out to be way more lucrative because there isn't a cap on your royalty. A lot of times when you get a book deal, they'll give you an advance and then you don't get any uh, one red cent from that book again, unless you sell over a certain threshold. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now I will say no one should write and self-publish a book expecting to make a ton of money. (laughs) You're not going to be like the next Stephen King. You're probably not going to be on the bestseller list. You should do this because you want to write a book. You should do this because you have something to say. You should do it because you think it will help the audience that you're trying to reach. Don't do it just to make money because it's it's, it's not going to be, chances are it's not going to be a money-making enterprise. You will make some money, but it's not going to make you rich. So people should be aware of that going in. But I will say this for people, for my friends who I've seen write books, after they have written the book and published it, no matter which way it was published, they are listed as an author places. And I see their speaking rates go up. I see their percentage of, you know, opportunities go up. And then especially like if you're at a conference, like they show up with their little stack of books. It's like, it, it is a, it is a status thing I've seen with at least my, my small circle that I run with. It's like, and then at a certain point, people just expect that you'll have a book. Also like true. people keep asking me, where's my book? I'm like, uh, writing it. Yeah, but apparently I should have had a book six years ago. I don't know. People who are speaking regularly, like you are, definitely having a book, you have a lot more opportunities to make use of the book that you write. So yes, people who are speaking regularly should seriously consider writing a book because that's- I'm doing it, Risa. (laughs) 
God, you and my husband. Now my husband yells at me every single day. He's like, did you write today? Did you write today? I'm like, oh my God. Yes, I wrote today. I write every day, just not always enough. <laughs> so actually that leads me to something else that I wanted to mention, um, which was basically how did I manage to find time to work on this book? Because, you know, time, everybody, no, nobody has enough. We all need more of it. And most people, their lack of time is what's keeping them from writing a book. So yeah. I did not write every day, but I did have a calendar entry on my calendar every Tuesday. It's actually still on there. It's been on my calendar since March of 2020. Tuesday from 1 to 3 p.m., work on book every Tuesday. That way I could plan around it. I did not schedule client consultations or meetings in that window. I did not schedule haircuts in that window. I did not schedule anything in that window because that was book time. Two hours every Tuesday, that was book time. I will be honest, there were Tuesdays when there was too much going on and the book went by the wayside, but I usually tried to shift it to a period later in the week if I had to miss my Tuesday engagement in working on my book. And I wasn't always writing. Sometimes I was learning. Sometimes I was yeah. researching, how do I buy an ISBN? <laughs> what the hell is KDP? <laughs> like, work on book. I, I specifically left it vague because it was just my two-hour block of time every week to work on book-related activities didn't have to be writing. I love that. I love that it's once a week because what we hear from other guests and what I hear from my friends is like, well, you have to write every day. And I know when we say that people think there's no way, like doing something daily seems so daunting, but doing something for a couple of hours once a week seems doable. Yes. And I will tell you another thing. I did not get up at 4am or 5am or 6am and write oh, first yes. thing in the morning because I am not a morning person. Just ask my husband. He will tell you. Listen, <laughs> if I wrote anything before 10am, it would just be like F off everybody. Yeah. I don't want to be doing this. That's I mean, I, I write in my journal that early, but that my journal's not for public consumption on purpose. Right. <laughs> that's why my book time was in the afternoon. That's, that's kind of my best peak mental activity is in the early afternoon. Um, and so I wanted to be at my, the top of my game mentally when I was, you know, writing content that was going to go out into the world. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you some questions about, so once the book was published, like in that December, 2021 period of time, did you do like a formal launch? Like how did you get this book birthed into the world, so to speak? I talked about it on my social media platforms all throughout the writing process. Everyone knew I was writing a book. Part of that was marketing and part of it was accountability because I figured if people know that I'm working on a book, I better publish a book <laughs> when it's all said and done. I can't just leave them hanging. So I talked about it endlessly. Um, every step along the way, when I hired my publishing consultant, when I got the cover design, you know, I was, I was constantly sharing information about it. And I'm doing the same thing now with my cocktail book. I've been talking about it throughout. I've shared a couple sneak peeks of some, some photos that are going to be in the book, stuff like that. Um, I didn't do any sort of in-person marketing launch or anything like that. Um, I did create an affiliate program for my fellow vendors, my vendor community here in Sacramento, which was a little challenging because a lot of the affiliate programs like share a sale or whatever, they, they cost a lot of money. And this is a very low price point you know, book. It's, it's $19. It's not a $400 online course or something like that. Right, so I didn't right. want to spend the money on one of those. So instead, my husband helped me. We created a WordPress site, a free WordPress site for Risa James Publishing. And then we used um, WooCommerce, which is a plugin on yes. WordPress, and basically bootstrapped the whole thing. And so I then emailed 
the PDF, like the ebook version of the book to all my vendors, just free copy. Here's the book. Your section on photography or DJing or whatever is, you know, chapter whatever. <laughs> and I gave them all personalized discount code. And I said, you know, if you share this with your clients and they go to my site and they purchase it, you know, I'll give you an affiliate payment and they save a 10%, 20%. I don't even remember what the discount is. Um, so I just created my own affiliate program that way to like have my community help market it to their couples as well. That's pretty much what I did as far as marketing. I mean, I still talk about it, you know, and it's sales are still coming in. I mean, let's be honest. It's not a bestseller. Like I'm not making loads of money here. I have not yet made back the money that I spent on like hiring Lois, my publishing consultant and getting new headshots made and buying my ISBNs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just nice that people are buying my book. The other day when I was running my reports on Amazon, I saw that two people in Germany have bought my book. Okay. Hey. <laughs> I'm officially international. <laughs> I have a couple of, um, podcast listeners in Norway, apparently, like I'm on the entrepreneurial chart of Apple podcast in Norway. And every week I get the, um, you know, the stats of like where, where I am. And it's always so funny. So I'm like, who, hello, shout out to Norway. If you're listening, like who in Norway, no, even knows who I am. So it's always, it's fascinating what reach your work can have. It really is. And the other thing I, another reason I wrote this, but another thing that I do with it is when I get a new coordination client, I just send them a free ebook version of my book, both to help them, but also to help me because I work, I start working with my coordination clients three months out and they usually hire me like at least a year in advance. So if they've read my book and followed my instructions, by the time we start really closely working together at the three month mark, they're going to be in way better shape than they would have been if they hadn't read my book. So it's, right. it's a win-win. No, I love it. When, um, do you ever, or did you order hard copies for yourself to like have? I do have a few. So as the author, you can order what are known as author copies. I know it's the most obvious name ever. So I basically pay cost for my author copies. And so I ordered um, a handful that I have on hand. One of my fellow wedding planners here in Sacramento, she sells bride-to-be boxes um, through her website with just like, you know, like a wine glass that says bride-to-be and a couple of things. And so she bought a few copies of my book to include in her bride-to-be boxes that she sells through her website. So, um, That's awesome. yeah, so that was super fun, but yes, I do have a few copies on hand. Um, but for the most part, the sales just take place without me being involved at all. Uh, if I were to ever, I don't really do wedding shows or anything like that. It's just it's right. not something that I'm interested in, but if I did, you know, I'd be able to have my book with me. Um, I would, I would buy a few more copies and have it there with me, but that's not something I typically participate in. So I don't really see that changing. That makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. What would you say for someone who is, you know, listening to this episode and in the, well, maybe I kind of want to write a book sort of process, like what was motivating to you in, during the process that like, maybe on those days where you're like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do this. Or did you have any of those days? Oh, I definitely had those days. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has those days. You cannot work on a project long-term and love it the whole way through. There are definitely going to be days where you're like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I quit, but <laughs> you can't quit. Um, Part of it was just, like I said, the fact that I had been talking about it, I don't like to give up. Like, I'm not a quitter. And sometimes that's a problem. I'm a Taurus, so I'm super stubborn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stubbornness can be a great motivator. Like, I, I was just <laughs> like, no, we're going we're gonna to finish this book. We're going to publish this book. And we're going to be a published author come hell or high water. I don't care if you don't that's feel right. like working on it. Do something. Do anything book-related, whatever. We're, we're going to make this happen. Having 
a target, a deadline also helped immensely. Knowing that I wanted to get this out in time for engagement season at the end of 2021, I had to hustle my ass. I had to, I had to, I just had to keep going or I was going to blow my deadline. And then I was going to waste a whole year because launching a wedding book in June, when everyone's getting married, but no one's getting engaged is stupid. You have to think about market timing. You have to publish at the right time. And so if I didn't publish, if I missed my window in 2021, I was going to have to wait until 2022. And I did not want to do that. So I just made it happen. Do you have any plans to do an audiobook of it? I have thought about it. Um, not once I finish publishing this cocktail book, then maybe I will revisit the idea of doing the audiobook for the wedding book. But I basically started working on the cocktail book in January of this year. I just went right from one to the next and I've been working on creating my recipes and shooting my photos. I actually just yesterday submitted the manuscript and all of the fi- final edited images to Lois um, for the cocktail book. So it's like that's almost done. And so then maybe I will revisit the whole audiobook idea. I love that. Did you have the idea for the second book before the, like during the first, before the first? Uh, sometime during the first, uh, because my cocktail photography business was pretty much born in 2020. Um, I, I started, that business started taking off during the pandemic because everyone was drinking at home. And so yeah. <laughs> yeah, they recipes were. <laughs> on Instagram, it just became like cocktail recipes on Instagram became a huge thing. A lot of people were asking me on Instagram, when are you going to publish a book already? And I'm like, can I finish the first book before I start thinking about the second book, please? (laughs) Well, no, but that's why I asked, right? Because I often feel like with creative projects, work begets work, right? The more you work on something, then your brain lights up with other ideas. And then suddenly you're inspired for the next thing. And that's just how it goes. If you do nothing, you don't ever get that second spark of of inspiration, I think. No, I, I think that's true. Uh, it definitely being doing anything creative is going to stimulate more creativity in your brain. Hundred percent, and especially I think, and hopefully I'll know this feeling by the end of the year. But like having published something, you feel like, oh, okay, I know how to do that. It's like with creating online courses. The first one was an uphill battle, and it was like dramatic, and I was trying, and I was doubting myself. And now it's like, oh, I have a new idea. Let me make this online course, and it takes me a month instead of six months. And I will say for anyone who has ever thought they might want to to write a book, actually doing it and holding that book in your hand is freaking amazing. Like it's the most amazing feeling in the world. When I got the first actual physical copy, Lois suggested that I film like an unboxing video. So I had my husband like film me on my phone while I opened it. And it's, I was giddy. I like, I was, it was, it was just pure giddiness because like, oh my God, holy shit, I wrote a book and it's actually, it exists in the world. This is amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. Like I, I, yes, it's totally amazing. And just to kind of circle back on something you said earlier, cause I didn't, I didn't call you on it, but I will now is that you had said something about like, look, you know, you're not going to make a million dollars. It's not going to, but who cares? Right. Because like, that isn't the point of, of putting something out in the world. The point in putting anything out in the world is not, at least for me, commerce. It's about impact. And you you just don't know who you're going to impact. So if you're listening and you're like, I think I have a book in me, but I don't know if I should share it. Um, Of course you should share it. And who's to say that we don't need your specific take on whatever's in your brain? Listen, there were other how to plan wedding books. I'm sure, Risa, you did the market research on that, right? You know what's funny, though, about this is there aren't as many as you would think. Most of, most really. of the yeah. quote unquote wedding planning books are are actually more like 
planners, like day planners with pockets and lists and, you know, things yeah. like that. There are only a handful of how to plan a wedding, wedding planning books. One of them is by The Knot. One of them is by Mindy Weiss. And one of them is in the Dummies mm-hmm. Guide, like the Dummies series. Well, fun fact about the Dummies series, you know, that's written by Marcy Blum. Yeah, it's, I have it on my shelf because I love Marcy Blum. And I met her in person and she kind of referenced it. And I said, wait, that was you? And she's like, yeah, that's me. I wrote that. I'm sure it a million years ago. But and then I went home and looked at it and I was like, oh, my God, I've had it all this time. So, yes, it's a dummies book, but it was also written by like. The yeah, Queen, I figured so it was legit, but I did not know that's who wrote it. But yeah, that's it. Those are the, those yeah, are the only like how to plan a wedding books that are really out there. There's there's one other one that it's like the big book of wedding lists or checklists or something like that. But yes, that one. And then there's also um, two books by Meg Keen from, from A Practical Wedding, which are great books but they're more philosophy of planning a wedding and less like first do this second do this third do yeah, this I'm a very um I don't I don't know what the word I want is but I just I love tutorials I I love teaching things to people I love sharing information I mean that's why I wanted to come on your podcast and share all this random ass information that I learned about publishing a book that's why I like to help people that's why I became a lawyer it's why I became a wedding planner I like to help people when I have specialized knowledge about something I don't want to keep that in my head what that doesn't help anybody I want to share that information exactly that's why I wrote this book because I have all this specialized information about how to make a wedding come together and I just want other people to have that information too well there it is (laughs) Risa, tell people where they can find you and your book on the internet. So my wedding website is risajamesevents.com and Risa is R-I-S-A. And I'm also Risa James Events on Instagram. And my book is on Amazon. Um, If you just Google how to plan a wedding book, you know, it comes up in the search results. And if anybody's interested in cocktail photography, my other Instagram account is Risa James Photography. And so if you like to drink or like to look at photos of drinks, that's where you want to go. <laughs> Amazing. I cannot wait for the new book. I'm going to grab get my hands on the first book. And thank you so much for your honesty, for your transparency, just for all these nuts and bolts details, because these are, this is like the, the unsexy underbelly that no one really talks about. <laughs> And it's so important to think like to know these things as you dive in to the process of writing so that you're not totally blindsided by like, what do you mean I have to buy a barcode? Yeah, I, I think I think buying barcodes and then like buying the ISBNs and then barcodes sold separately might be my favorite, like <laughs> super weird detail about self-publishing. <laughs> We're going to link to everything Risa talked about, her publishing consultant, her recommended reading, just all the things, Scrivener, everything she mentioned, we're going to link to in the show notes so you don't have to stop driving and take notes, y'all. We have it for you. Uh, And Risa, again, thanks so much. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled that I have been on the Renee Dallow podcast. I'm very excited. (laughs) Dear listeners, you know what I'm going to say because I say it every week. Thank you for spending your time with us. I know your time is the one thing you cannot make more of. And so I never take it for granted that you share it with me. We thank you so much and we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. 